When a challenge is big, scary, or complex, sometimes it feels easiest to bury our heads in the sand and hope that someone else figures it all out for us. That might work with some things, but it doesn't work with the stuff that affects us all, such as climate change. We have to find a way to talk about it, and that urgency is compounded when we have kids. Our question this episode: How do we talk with kids about a complex emotional topic such as climate change? Welcome to episode thirty-three of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. Thank you so much for joining me. When I started this podcast back in September of 2018, I didn't know exactly what direction it would take. I knew that we would be talking about communication, and in particular, difficult conversations and conflict. What I didn't fully appreciate was how much talking about communication was a gateway to talking about relationships, community, and how we express ourselves in general. It's also given me an opportunity to stretch into places I didn't expect to go, including how to communicate with children. I'm not a parent, and I have very little interaction with kids. It wasn't an angle that I had thought much about. Yet, through introductions and a few other happy coincidences, I've met people who think about it a lot, and they've been awesome guests on this podcast. I've learned a tremendous amount from them, and I don't need to be a parent to see how their experiences and wisdom apply to a variety of communication situations. I share all of this because our topic today is focused on talking to kids, and whether you're a parent or not, interact with children frequently or not, or whether the topic is climate change, a family move, divorce, or bringing up something emotionally charged with someone that you care about, you're going to find value in this conversation. My guest today is Dakota Duncan, who will give us some advice on having a potentially difficult conversation with children about the environment and climate change. That might seem like a very narrow focus, but in reality, you are going to find her insights useful for a range of difficult conversations with adults and children alike. As always, keep listening after the conversation, when I'll offer a few closing thoughts along with your call to action. Dakota Duncan is an author and illustrator who just released her first graphic novel, *Endangered Species Superheroes*. She has been an animal lover since a very early age, and recalls that Jane Goodall was her first hero. Dakota is excited to share her love of animals and hopes to inspire others to be good caretakers of the earth and its inhabitants. During law school, which she attended later in life, Dakota specialized in environmental studies. She is currently a member of the Oregon State Bar. She lives with her wife, two children, and various furry creatures in Washington State. Hi, Dakota. Welcome to How Can I Say This? I am so pleased to welcome you to the podcast.、Well, thank you.、Uh, I appreciate being here. Well, I would like to hear just for a minute or two a little bit about your backstory because I know that、um, part of your training is as a lawyer, and now you have moved into more working with、uh, wildlife and conservation issues. How did you come to make that kind of transition and, and have so much passion for wildlife and conservation? <laughs>、um, I, I guess that's a good question. I've actually 
always been completely enamored with animals. I, I was the little girl who didn't really like to play with dolls, but I loved playing stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. And I can remember that Jane Goodall was my first hero. I, I realized who she was at like probably second or third grade. And I thought, I want to be like her. I want to work with the chimpanzees and, you know, that'll, that'll be my life. And that's really cool. You know, and then life happens. And, uh, yeah, I found I enjoyed writing a lot. And that's what uh, over a course of years eventually led me to law. Uh, I went back to law school later in life. I was actually 38 when I entered law school. And it was because I love writing so much. And I specialized in environmental law. Again, a real interest in the environment and in animals. And the actual practice ended up being something I wasn't as excited about. Uh, it's, it's just slow and technical and being kind of a creative. It, it wasn't where I felt like I was doing my best work. So I, I've i always kind of done some writing projects in the background. But uh, I entered a point that I said I am going to be doing some real writing. And I put together this book that you've seen. It's a Graphic novel, Endangered Species Superheroes. Yes, and it's very cool. Thank you. Thank you. It was just a really cool thing to be able to kind of write something. It's It's got little elements of science in it and facts, but most of it's just really a creative adventure. But to be able to kind of put also a bit of a conservation message into it felt really good to me and feels really true to kind of who I've always been. So I'm really excited to be at this point in my life right now. Yeah. Yeah, it always feels really good when we find that intersection of what we're really good at and what we care deeply about. And it sounds like you've you've found that place. And I will make sure that there's a link to the graphic novel Endangered Species Superheroes as part of the episode show notes. So I know that one of the reasons we connected was that part of your focus is how to have conversations with kids about climate change and environmental issues and conservation. Mm -hmm. And adults often feel challenged by that topic, whether that's because of the research or our biases or our emotions about what it all means. And so if adults are feeling challenged, it's hard to imagine how a child is taking all of that in and processing it. Absolutely. So how would an adult, and and here I'm I'm using adult um, broadly, to encompass anyone who works with children, whether they're parents or teachers or mentors. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for approaching that, particularly the climate change conversation? Yeah, that's a, it's a big, scary issue, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I personally was in denial about even wanting to talk about climate change for a long time. Uh, Last year at this time, in the midst of writing this book about endangered species, Uh, I realized I didn't want to talk about anything related to it. Mm. I I felt like people were kind of trying to bring me down if they brought up climate change. It's like, stop being so negative. I'm focused on my book. Don't talk about that stuff. You know, and I realized it was just my own fears, my own denials. And as I started thinking about, well, gosh, this book about endangered species, uh, you can't even talk to people about endangered species without the environment coming up and without climate change coming up. So I started really doing a lot of research about, you know, how do you talk to kids about it and how do we process it ourselves? And I, I kind of got it narrowed down to a four-part process that I, I think will probably resonate with most people. Um, mm-hmm. The first part is just exactly what I went through. We've got to get out of our own denial and stop hiding from the topic of climate change. I don't know what you've witnessed, but it feels to me like it's almost become this uh, taboo subject like religion or politics, and we don't talk about it in polite company. Hmm. And we've got to remove the stigma. We've got to stop talking about it because the silence is not helping. 
Yeah. And and can I jump in there for a second? I wonder about the political angle of climate change contributing to that aversion for conversation. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a big piece. I wish it wasn't that way. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. And I, I don't know that this is the place to get into it. <laughs> right. But I will say, I think we need to just look really seriously at what do we know is happening? You know, for a long time, there were climate change deniers, and it wasn't happening. And I think most people, the the recent statistics I've seen are most people believe it because we're seeing it now. The California wildfires, um, the hurricanes, uh, even I've, I've read that, you know, crop production is down in places where we're not expecting it to be down. So I think we need to just say, look, it's here. Let's get past what people are telling us to think, because that feels like so much of it. It's what the news media, lobbyists and such are kind of telling us we should think about it, and what we should believe. But, you know, let's trust our own eyes and say, yes, there's something happening and we need to be talking about it and try to get past the politicization. Mm-hmm. OK, great. So that's step one. Yeah, because I think it really is. It's, it's hurting the conversations. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. We need to move past that because it's it's an important issue we have to deal with. And we can't wait until we all agree on politics because that'll never happen. Agreed. That we can agree on, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the first step is uh, confronting it for yourself and moving yeah. past those those kinds of barriers. What's next? I guess once you're ready to deal with it yourself, you need to, this is the put on your own oxygen mask first. Like they tell you on the plane, you, you're not going to be able to take care of whatever child is in your life or talk to that child unless you've dealt with some of your own stuff first. Um, you know, th- this is a heavy topic. So, you know, go ahead and feel your feelings and grieve for your losses, practice self-compassion, and kind of just deal with your own stuff a bit. This is really, really personal, especially, I think, to parents that maybe are looking at, my child's not going to grow up with the same things I did. They're not going to be able to have the same experience. And maybe it's even just real simple things like, I wanted to take him to a campground that was my favorite campground as a child, but it got burned down last year. Or I wanted to take him to the carnival that's out on the pier, but the pier got washed away in the hurricane. So, you know, grieve those losses. And once you feel at least a little ready, start educating yourself. And I think this is just a huge, huge, important step that's going to give you hope. You've got to learn the basics of climate change. You know, what is it? What causes it? What do the scientists agree on? And what do most experts agree we can and should be doing? I think it's really hard in the U.S. anyway right now to to feel like there's hope. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly bombarded with you know, all this bad news and social media and a president that seems like he's rolling back environmental protections at exactly the time when that's not what we need. So it feels kind of hopeless when you're stuck in this U.S. centric point of view. So I recommend as you start educating yourself, you look beyond what's happening in the U.S. Mm -hmm. because there are other countries and organizations and religious groups and just individuals that are doing fantastic work outside of our borders. And even inside of our borders, if you look past the federal government, um, cities and states and organizations are doing some tremendous work. Uh, Even after we were forced to leave the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, there's an organization that cropped up called We're Still In, and it represents over 3,000 government, religious, political, educational leaders, 
all kinds of institutions. And they're saying maybe the U.S. is out, but we're still in. For our organization, we're still going to meet those goals. So it, it's it's really helpful once you dig a little past the layer of, of the first thing you, you see every morning in the news. Yeah. Well, you're reminding me that, you know, for this topic or any topic where there's on the surface that feeling of hopelessness, it's important before sharing it with someone else or trying to explain it, that there is almost with anything, even if it feels completely hopeless, there's something to hope for. Yeah. And you have to dig a little bit sometimes to find that. Yeah. And, and that's an important part. It's absolutely out there. And so I absolutely encourage you know, teachers, parents, whoever's talking to children to find that hope before you try to talk to a child, because it can feel really hopeless if you haven't done this homework first. Yeah. Um, for me, I know that it made me feel so much better once I realized, wow, there are all these organizations doing this great work, and there really is reason for hope. So it, I guess it helps empower you before you go on to the scary thing of actually talking to a child. Yes. So, you know, that's that's the fourth step is actually taking taking the time and planning what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Um, there's two pieces, I guess, to talking with children. One is what's the age appropriate information that I should be giving them? And next, how do I deal with their feelings? Mm-hmm. And depending on the situation and how the conversation crops up, that'll help guide you a little bit. Yeah. But you know, first, just mentally for me, I think about, okay, facts first, because that's kind of how I process things. So facts first, you know, a little kid, you know, probably under six, they don't need a lot of facts, they don't really need any facts about climate change. But you can start teaching them to be good stewards of the earth, uh, let them know why you're doing certain things like, you know, maybe we don't drive our car as much as we used to, because it's, it's bad for the earth. Mm-hmm. Or going to be using our reusable grocery bags instead of those plastic bags because it's better for the earth. So you you can kind of give them earth-friendly messages without scaring them with facts that they're not going to understand or be able to emotionally process anyway. Yeah. With a little older kids, like say 7 to 11 or 12, kind of right up uh, until they enter middle school, you know, they understand facts and they like science. I've had it pointed out to me that a lot of times science projects, even the little do-it-yourself kits now, are maybe not what we had as kids, but they're things like, hey, build a solar-powered race car. Mm-hmm. So the kids are into science. So so teach them a little bit. Have your basic facts. Um, I actually do have a little resource guide that if people are interested in, I think you said you could put a link to it on yes. your website. Yes. Yeah. Some of those have some really nice, just easy to understand facts. And so, you know, going to those kind of sites with your kids so they can understand the facts is great. And then with the older kids in middle school and in high school, they may already know more than you do. Um, Some schools are teaching some climate change facts. Some are not. Mm -hmm. But they're undoubtedly, you know, they're on the Internet. They're on YouTube. They're talking to their friends. They've heard things. And it's important to understand what are they hearing and how are they processing it. And, you know, maybe even kind of make it a little project to, if, if they know a lot about it, to teach you. Oh. You know, the facts are easy, but yep. then getting into the feelings, I think, is what's harder. Like, I was thinking about this last night, and I thought, you know, one of the most important things is don't impose your adult fears on your child. Hmm. Yeah, great point. Before you start talking, it's like, remember that everything that you hear and read and feel about climate change is through the lens of an adult that has, you know, a lot broader experiences and also through the lens of a person that cares about a child in their life. Maybe you're their parent and you've got these dreams and hopes and fears about their future. 
And so you're going to be looking at these climate change facts way different than your child. And, you know, your child may really, maybe they want to talk about climate change, but what they really want to know is, you know, why is it that warm water hurts fish? You know, I, I thought warm water was good. It's warm in Hawaii. Why, why isn't that good for all the fish? You know, so it might be that simple. Mm-hmm. And we're blowing it up into they're worried about the end of the world. Yeah. So, yeah. So finding something in their context, like something that they can identify with yeah. um, personally to frame the conversation. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, just exactly that. Remember, their world is much smaller than ours, and they don't have the same fears. So when you start to talk to them, listen, listen to what it is that they're saying, and what kind of questions are they asking? And, you know, ask them, you can come point blank, ask them how they feel. And some kids are going to answer and some aren't, Mm -hmm. but help them maybe find words for it if they don't have the words for how they're feeling. And I think even then, if they don't quite know what to say, you can at least model how to talk about your feelings and make it a safe space. Like let them know, you know, when I saw that animal suffering because humans had ruined its habitat, it made me really, really sad. And then as I thought about it, it made me angry. And I really want somebody to have to pay for what they did. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that kind of modeling can at least help kids know, yeah, emotions are complex. And mom felt that way too, or whoever the the adult is. And maybe it's okay for me to feel that way. Because, you know, we want to give kids the message that whatever they're feeling is okay. There's no right or wrong way to feel, but we want to help them process it. It's a good opportunity to like teach kids calming behaviors that could help them in all kinds of aspects of their life. Yes. Things like deep breathing, um, positive self-talk, meditation. There's there's actually meditations specifically geared for children. And then the power of exercise. You know, I think it's really important for people to get out and move their bodies and be able to release the endorphins and release some of the anger by exercising. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good good chance to to help teach kids that. Yeah. And you know, no matter where the conversation leads, you always want to try to remain hopeful and give them a reason to feel hopeful. Yes. The best cure for anxiety and fear is action. So some of these climate change websites where you're going to learn about the basics and what other people are doing, they also have ideas of here's how you get involved. And I think that's really important because once you dump something heavy on somebody, it's like, ah, but now what do I do? Right, right. You know, there are just there's basic actions from deciding you're going to do walking a little more to uh, maybe learning how to write a letter or make a phone call to a congressperson or get involved in a local action. Yeah, because what we're talking about here, it's like these these lessons, these points apply beyond just a conversation about climate change. It can really have anything that has to do with external forces that someone doesn't feel like they have any control over, but yet they want to affect some sort of change. And what can the parent or the adult model for the child? And how can they involve and engage them in it to teach them how to how to navigate it all? Yeah, because there's nothing worse than feeling helpless. And I think, yeah, especially young people do feel helpless, because everything in their world seems like it's controlled by an adult. So yeah, I think giving them some empowering actions that they can take can be super helpful. Yeah. One quick book I'd really like to recommend if I could. Yeah. It's in the resource guide I've got, but it's called The Parent's Guide to Climate Revolution, 100 Ways to Build a Fossil-Free Future, Raise Empowered Kids, and Still Get a Good Night's Sleep. <laughs> Mary DeMocker. 
And she goes through a hundred different ideas of how you can do different things with your child or with your family. And it's all based on like, if you've got five minutes, do this. If you've got 20 minutes, you could do this. If you've got a whole weekend, try this. Nice. And it's really, they're easy things to do. And I found this to be one of the best books I've read recently. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And I will make sure that there's a link to that on the episode webpage as well. Um, I want to close with one thing that I noticed that was coming up just as we started our conversation, which was this new Netflix series, Our Planet. Mm-hmm. And I, a couple of stories caught my attention because they were talking about how there are some disturbing images, particularly of animals. Like you were saying before, their habitat has been compromised or even destroyed um, because of climate change or other things that have messed with the cycle of Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. And parents are kind of grappling with, and I'm imagining any teachers that might be showing this series in their classroom, for instance, are kind of grappling with, like, how do we show this and how do we talk about it if we decide to show it. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts on deciding what's appropriate to share and then how to talk about it, especially when it might be un- like, you know, you can prepare them, but sometimes you can't prepare them. Like it might surprise you that something happens. Yeah. What? How would you advise us? <laughs> I guess to start with, hopefully, depending on the age of the child, the the parent or the adult is doing some pre-screening because let's face it documentaries have an audience and unless it's something really made for schools mostly the audience is adults mm-hmm. there's a lot of great documentaries out there but most of them are not made for children so if your kid is under let's say 10 or 12 at least look into what you're about to watch so that you have an idea so that you can have a chance to think about it and figure out how you want to address it but if you know if you haven't done that, if, if it's just you're caught off guard, you didn't think it would happen, your friend recommended it, and you've apparently got different ideas of what's appropriate for children, <laughs> I think starting off with just some real honesty, like talking about it and not trying to pretend it's not there or ignoring it, I think ignoring it is, is a terrible message. So I think you know, gently asking your child, hey, what, what did you think about that? Mm-hmm. Trying to get them talking and really listening to what they're saying or their cues. You know, you're the you're the adult, you're the parent in their life. You probably know them better than a lot of other people. Try to figure out, you know, are they upset? Are they not upset? Different kids are just different and they're going to share or they're not going to share. Yeah. So it's, it's put a blanket over everything. But I'd say at least start some of those modeling behaviors. Say, you know, wow, that really scared me when I saw that or that really made me sad. How, how did you feel? I think you've just at least got to start the conversation and wherever it goes, try to end it on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Depending on the child, it might just be, hey, let's let's go color in your coloring book and we'll, we'll color this picture of an animal. Um, for older kids, it might be, hey, let's hop on the Internet and see if there's something we can do. I bet there's things people can do about this. Yeah, yeah. Try to work in some kind of a positive action, but... Yeah, I think the worst thing is to ignore it just because, you know, as adults, we're ignoring it more than we need to. And kids need to understand that whatever their feelings are about that, their feelings aren't wrong. There can't be wrong feelings. And they need to understand that we understand that this is going to be a huge issue over the course of their lifetimes, possibly the biggest issue that they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And they at least need to hear from us. Yes, I see. I know. I understand. And, you know, I've, I've got I've got kids myself, one in middle school, one in high school. And, you know, they are kind of they're at a point that they're kind of angry at what adults have left them with. It's like, 
honey, I'm sorry that we've screwed up this world. And mm-hmm. happy to say there's a lot of people that are really trying to fix things. Yeah. And I always just try to leave them with that message of hope. And I think that's maybe in some cases the best thing a parent can do. Yeah, we think that we have to be armed with facts and and the science and everything else. And, and all of that is important. And at the end of the day, giving them reason to hope and feeling motivated to action is probably the best intention that we can have. That's at least my feeling. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. You know, I think that's for whether you're a child or an adult. Yeah. You know, we all want to be left with hope. Yeah, definitely. Well, it sounds like you've got some resources that can help with that. So where can people learn more about you and your work and especially your graphic novel, um, Endangered Species Superheroes. Yeah, thanks. Um, my website, it's its actually being updated right now, so I, I can't say exactly what it's going to look like when anybody sees it, but uh, it's dakotaduncan.com, D-A-K-O-T-A-D-U-N-C-A-N. And if they go to projects, they'll see uh, my most recent work, which is the graphic novel. Uh, or if they go to the sign-up tab to sign up for my mailing list, uh, they'll get a message that gives them links to uh, the climate change guide as well as a little uh, a mini endangered species superheroes comic book. So oh. if somebody kind of wanted to get a sampling of what that's like, that's a, that's a good way to do it. Terrific. Well, I will make sure that there are links all on uh, howcanisaythis.com so people can follow up. And I really appreciate your perspective, Dakota, and you know, giving us some hints on how to approach this very difficult topic, both for ourselves and with any youngsters that we might be talking to. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Before I offer some closing thoughts and your call to action, I invite you to visit the episode webpage at HowCanIsayThis.com. From there, you're going to find um, resources that are related to each episode, including this one, and we mentioned numerous resources. And you'll also be able to access past episodes, subscribe, or offer feedback. We also really appreciate your ratings and reviews. You'll find more information about how to leave a review for the show on the website. An occasional feature of this podcast is responding to listener questions about conflict, communication, relationship, building, and connection. I welcome your questions for inclusion in a future episode. You will find the online submission form and other instructions at howcanisaythis.com. As Dakota and I spoke, I was noticing again and again how my thoughts kept coming back to curiosity as the key to hard conversations. We often get nervous about saying just the right thing, when really our attention should be as much or more towards asking better questions. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know I just spent two episodes talking about how to ask better questions. I will say that I felt like some of my questions that I asked Dakota were not as good as I had wanted them to be. Um, But that's just evidence that we're all still learning. And it's a lifelong journey. When you're focused on asking better questions, this relieves some of the pressure and it makes the difficult conversation easier in the long run. It doesn't matter whether we're talking to kids or adults. The strategy is the same. Asking, what do you think? How do you feel about it? What's happening for you? Those are all questions that help create balance in the conversation and let the other person share what's on their mind. You often might be surprised by what they say. 
I mean, you know, think about it. Put yourself in that kind of position. Here you are. You're tensed up and you're thinking that it's going to be hard to talk about and you're worried that you'll say the wrong thing. But when you ask, how do you feel about that? And the other person says, you know, I'm actually okay. That's kind of a wow, what a relief moment. Even if they say I'm mad or I'm upset, at least they have named the emotion and you don't have to assume how they feel. And then you can respond to their truth rather than responding through the filter of your perception or projection. I also appreciated Dakota's emphasis on dealing with our own emotions before putting ourselves in a situation that will stir up someone else's emotions. Again, this is true for so many types of conversations. We have to do our own work, sort through our own feelings before we can be present for others. Even if it's just taking a few minutes to calm down and center yourself, it's worth hitting pause so that you can gather your thoughts. Your call to action is related to another one of Dakota's points, and that one was the one about educating yourself on the topic that is the catalyst for the difficult conversation. Think about a subject that you know is going to be raised in the near future. That topic might be climate change, just like we discussed today, or it could be a change in the family or the household, the imminent death of a loved one or a pet, or bigger issues such as racism, sexism, finances, or any topic that can bring anxiety at the thought of talking about it. Consider what you can do to educate yourself on the history and the facts. This enables you to put the topic into context and have a bigger picture perspective, which, if you're lucky, will lead you to feeling more hope. At the very least, you're going to feel more confident going into the conversation if you've done some homework first. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you to Dakota for sharing her wisdom. And I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.